Welcome. You're listening to episode 14 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. Welcome back, listeners. These are real stories and real experiences of widowhood, both my own story and many other widows I've known and worked with as a life coach. Can widowhood be a gift? In my eyes, there's a gift in everything, even when we can't see it. I've spoken before about the gift Jim gave me in passing away right on the dawning of a new year. I surely didn't see it that way when he died. It was much farther along that I was able to look back and realize that having New Year's Eve happen right after he died played a part in how I approached my grief and my journey to discovering what my life was going to be as a widow. There was another gift that came in widowhood, and that was finally learning about myself. I embarked on a journey that I'm sure I would not have undertaken if Jim was still alive. Clearly, if he were still alive, my life would be very different than it is right now. But it's a journey that I was set upon, not through the best of circumstances by any means, but a journey and an awakening and learning more about myself and gone off on a completely different path. About seven, eight months in after Jim had passed away, I was beginning to waver in my resolve to make the most out of every moment and every day. It was beginning to become difficult to even want to get out of bed in the mornings sometimes. I was dragging through my days. It was divine intervention that came to me at that time to become a coach and that began turning my world around. I had taken a job shortly after Jim passed away that started out pretty great. I was really making a difference in the company. I was doing great work. It felt wonderful. But then they changed things up and I was placed in a position where I was spending all my time crunching data on employees and it left little time for what I so loved about being a manager in all the years past. And that was coaching and nurturing my team members to be their best. Not only just to do their best work, but to feel like they were contributing to society through the work they were doing so that they were happier in their jobs. And yeah, they confided a lot of stuff in me as their manager about their private personal lives. And I would end up coaching them on that as well. But in this day of computers and data, companies can now have numbers on all the employees. They can create metrics that show how much work you accomplish in an hour, what is your percentage of on-time attendance to your job, what is the percentage of the quality of the work you're doing. And all those numbers are crunched out and averaged on a spreadsheet. They can see what the averages are within the company, who's above that average, who's below that average, and decide to let people go based entirely on numbers instead of considering other contributions an employee may be making to the overall team. It was really a depressing thing to me. 
And it had all come down to numbers. I was spending all my time crunching numbers. And it had, by the way, become clear to me that they were expecting me to be working seven days a week because I needed to be near my home computer where I could log into their server and check on things. And I was basically trapped in my house seven days a week. It's small wonder my spirits had began flagging. It was such a passion for me to be able to focus on life coaching others and to share the experience and lessons I've learned in a lifetime. I've always known that our thoughts create the very reality around us. And that's not just voodoo, hoo-ha, law of attraction stuff. It's really how I perceive the universe works. And Jim and I met in a discussion group about that very thing many, many years ago. And after we were married together, we poured over materials and studied. He had me studying all of the philosophers. He taught me Greek and Roman mythology and how it pertains to our daily life. He shared Carl Jung and James Hillman. Um, we really delved into how the mind works together and when I said I wanted to go study psychology at Penn State, he insisted it would only muddy these truths. And at the time, it was all the very traditional curriculum, not yet bringing in the study of neuroscience, which I think is going to culminate in what I've already known. <laughs> our thinking creates our reality as surely as the sun rises and the moon sets. It does. When I decided that I needed to just become a life coach. And this was like a moment of divine inspiration. I have to tell you, Jim had always told me a story about when he was a little guy and he was raised Catholic and he went to a parochial school and he was taught that every night when he said his prayers before bed, that he should also ask for his vocation in life to know what it was that he was meant to do. And um, one night he did his prayers and he asked for his vocation and he got into bed and laid down with his head on the pillow. And he said he heard a voice clear as day, a woman's voice said, how would you like to be a teacher? And he sat right up in bed and said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I want to do that. And he laid back down and went to sleep and didn't think much more of it. He never really focused on all the things that he needed to study or do to become a teacher because he just accepted the fact. The voice told him he was going to be a teacher, so he knew it was going to happen. And sure enough, he did become a teacher after he was in the Air Force um, at a time when we still had the draft in this country. He was drafted when in the Air Force before he was drafted in the Army. But he came home after his tour, and he had uh, gone to college, and he sent out like a thousand little postcards to every school in New York City with a quick little bio uh, of, for himself and how he could be contacted, saying he was willing to come in and substitute teach. And that's how he started. He, the phone rang, and he went in as a substitute teacher. 
and he taught for 35 years. As a matter of fact, Jim taught in the South Bronx, a very rough area called Fort Apache, referred to as Fort Apache in the Bronx. It was a rewarding career for him. But it just, he thought that everybody got the voice. I kid you not. When I met this man, he was 55 years old, and he still thought everybody got the voice. And he said, we were talking about this, and he said, what, you never got the voice? And I said, you heard a voice tell you what you were supposed to do with your life? Oh, my gosh, if only, if only all of us would get the voice. Well, sitting here at my desk in my home office one day and feeling really bad about my job and asking myself, why is it I hate my job so much? And I was staring into a salt lamp that a friend of mine convinced me I needed salt lamps to clear the energy in my room. <laughs> so I had this Himalayan salt lamp plugged in, staring into the salt lamp. And I tell you, it was like divine inspiration hit me right between the eyes. It was like I got the voice. Jim got the voice when he was a little kid. I got the voice when I was over 60 years old, for crying out loud. And it said, it's time for you to become a life coach. And I thought, a life coach? That's what I'm missing in my job now. I don't get to coach these people anymore. I don't get to nurture them and help them see how they can make their job rewarding. This is what I want to be doing. So I set out researching schools because I wanted to become certified as a life coach. Yes, it's still a field that I could have just hung out a shingle for life coach and started a business. And believe me, many have, but I felt that was unethical. I wanted a solid grounding and certification. So my search began. Many schools were stuck basically 20 years past in psychology and counseling. And I wanted no part of that. Um, many were focused on business coaching, but I was kind of up to here with the corporate world by then. And I finally found my school and mentor out in California. She, she was teaching a model of coaching that was completely in sync with my own beliefs and experiences. It demonstrated exactly how our thoughts create our emotions and everything we do or don't do is because of how we feel or how we don't want to feel. And those actions create the results in our life that inevitably prove out the thought in our brain that set those wheels into motion. So I found the school. And when I looked into it, the next class was scheduled for September. I think this was already at the end of July that I found them. And the September class was sold out. So I was told I could not get into September. I put my name on the wait list. But um, as the weeks went by, they encouraged me to instead sign up for the class in January. But all I could think was, I'm here in New York, and scheduling a flight to California in the middle of January it ain't going to happen. <laughs> we have so much chance of snow and blizzard, if not here, then in Chicago, halfway across. 
you have to change planes. And all I could envision was I would put down all this money on this coaching school and then I would get stuck in Chicago for a week in Chicago airport trying to get a flight back out of there again in a blizzard. I knew January just wasn't an option. And the next class after that was going to be April. And that like loomed out there so far away on the horizon in July to think, well, I could just sit here and do nothing until April. That wasn't going to happen. So I set my mind to it and decided, no, no, I'm coming in September. It's going to happen. It has to happen because there's just no other option for me. It has to be in September. And as the date for the school in September drew closer and closer, and I even started to have doubts, <laughs> started looking again at the uh, coach schools in Manhattan, thinking, well, I could just do something locally. I can do that coach class in Manhattan, um, which was really all online. They didn't even do in-person training. I, and I couldn't even fathom how I was going to learn to be a coach online and they were just going to hand me certification. I, you know, it didn't work for me. So finally I was sitting outside of my doctor's office waiting for an appointment just for my routine, you know, and I was uh, reading on my Kindle, one of Dr. Wayne Dyer's books. He had passed away shortly before that. And his family put out all of his electronic books, like Kindle books, I think for 99 cents. So I had bought a few of them because of what a good opportunity. Plus, I, I really wanted to read more. Um, you know, of course, someone passes away, they come to the forefront of attention like that. Anyway, I was reading Wayne Dyer, and he was talking about intention, and he was talking about intention being something that is not in your mind, but it's a spiritual flow above you. And he said when he was a kid in New York City, and he would get on the subway with his mom. The subway back then had still had the leather strap handles that you could reach up and hold on to. I wish they still did. So his mother would hang on to a strap handle, but because he was a little kid, he couldn't reach them and he had to sit down on the seat. But he used to imagine that he could float up and reach for one and grab onto one of the strap handles. It was his subway game. And when he talked about this spiritual flow of intention in the universe, and he said, you can grab onto it. And he did this little meditation, visualization. And what the heck? I'm waiting for the doctor appointment. Who knows how long the doctor will be? So I went ahead and closed my eyes and I did it. He said, get your ego out of the way. Don't think about where it is that you think you need to go. But just see those leather strap handles passing above you in the flow of intention and let yourself float up and grab onto one of those strap handles so the flow of intention can take you where you need to be. And I did that. I felt kind of cool. I liked it. I got in to see my doctor, finished that appointment, wasn't long, drove home. And as soon as I walked in the house, 
my phone rang. And it was the coach school in California. And she was saying, this never happens. But one of our students has had an emergency. And she can't come for school tomorrow. So we have the opening. If you can fly here tomorrow, you can come to school in September. This was 4 o'clock Wednesday afternoon. Classes started at 9 o'clock Friday morning in California. I went into such a tailspin, I can't even tell you. I think I quickly said, let me confirm that I can get on a flight and I'll call you back because I don't want you to just hold that spot for me if I can't get a flight out of here in time. Then somebody more local can have the spot. I hung up and I thought, oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. I can't just leave my house like this. I always had Jim here before, so if I had to go on a business trip or something, he was here to watch the house, feed the cat, whatever. I thought, I don't even know how to leave my house for almost two weeks. This is madness. But at the same time, my brain was saying, Joanne, you knew it had to be this class in September. And here it is. It's September. It has to be the September class. You must do this. So I called the airport. Actually, I went online for the airport. I found a flight out the very next day that would get there late Thursday night. Then I contacted the hotel where the school, the in-person training was going to take place. And they told me there was no rooms available. And I said, oh, no, there must be because somebody has had to cancel at the last minute for the life coach school. And I'm supposedly going to be able to get a room in their block of rooms. And they said, well, no, it hasn't canceled here. So I got back on the phone with the school and said, you know, look, I can get the flight, but I can't secure the hotel room because the student hasn't canceled it. A lot of back and forth. Long story short, I got a phone call from the hotel because the life coach school had gotten a hold of the student to call and confirm the cancellation of the room. The hotel called and said, we have a room for you. We just need to confirm that you want it and we will hold you the room. So great. Um, in the meantime, I had also discovered that I didn't have enough of my medication to get through two weeks and the bottle refill said no refills, which meant I needed a new prescription from my doctor before I could even refill it. Would have been okay. I would have been doing it the next week if I were here, but um, I was going to have to the next morning before I got on the airplane, get my physician's office to send a prescription over to my pharmacy and hope I could grab the medications before getting on the plane. A lot of little last minute things like that. I was in the absolute tizzy and threw whatever clothes I could lay my hands on into a suitcase and threw it in my car and out the door I went the next morning. Flight was late getting in. I didn't get into my hotel room till after two o'clock in the morning and school started at nine o'clock the next morning. But boy, talk about intention taking me where I needed to be. I grabbed onto that strap handle and it was a whirlwind to get me in a chair at the start of the life coach training in California. It was one of the best things I ever did. I had a wonderful time. I was learning the whole time, nonstop. There were no days off. <laughs> there were 
no breaks. It was intensive. It was wonderful. So if you want to give yourself up to the flow of intention, you don't even need plans. Wayne Dyer said, let go of ego and where you think you need to go and just reach up. Grab that leather strap handle and let intention take you where you want to go. When I came back from California and was going through the certification process, it was so exciting. I'm telling you, I went from having trouble waking up in the morning to wanting my feet to hit the ground every morning. At the same time, though, I don't think I'd ever felt so completely alone. In starting up a solo business, it's almost inconceivable to deal with this all alone, but there it is. Yet every day is exciting. There's times of depression, self-doubt creeps in. There are high highs and low lows, but you know what? It's living. All of it. You can start living again. Find a sense of purpose for yourself so there's excitement in your life. Even if you just begin to schedule a few things here and there so there's something to constantly look forward to. That's why in the process of becoming a certified coach, I was anxious to get up each morning because there was something I was looking forward to doing. I may have even been dreading to do it, but it was still exciting. So if you schedule a little trip, if you get hooked on a TV show, I'm telling you, I don't miss Sunday nights. That's my TV night. It's The Walking Dead, or this Sunday it's Fear the Walking Dead, and then Game of Thrones will be starting up again. And I look, I so look forward each week to Sunday night just for my TV shows. I've talked before about the postcards that my dear friend sent to me early in 2015. They are from a series called Women and the Hourglass. Um, the artist, I don't know if I've got this here. Let me take a look for the artist name on those. Oh, here she is. It's Mary Lou Falstrow. Probably not saying it right. But if you just Google women and the hourglass, you will find her. These little cards, what a gift. They were looking like crayon drawings of women, a woman on each card. They were all in various yoga poses. And they say things like, um, one card says, one day she woke up and decided to be happy. And another says, one day she woke up and decided to color outside of the lines. The third one said, one day she knew she must follow her heart. And the last one said, one day she opened her mind to all the possibilities. Now, since these, the artist has done many, many more. Um, one I love is one day she woke up and decided she was beautiful. And I'm just, I'm just getting to that point. Seriously. 
<laughs> getting to the point that I can wake up and decide, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty beautiful. And of course, you know, I love the one that says one day she woke up and infused joy into her life. So you can go check these out. Like I said, if you just Google women and the hourglass, you'll find them. Any rate, I taped the four postcards that my friend had sent me on the wall over my bed so that they would watch over me every night as I slept. And when I wake up, I see these ladies first thing every morning. Each morning I see one day she woke up and decided to be happy. And it makes me know that happiness is a choice. I could decide right then and there, waking up, going to be happy. Every day when I wake up now, I say out loud, thank you, thank you, thank you for another beautiful day on this planet. I make sure that I'm getting out of bed in a state of gratitude for being alive. So even on days when I don't even get out of my house, I'm excited. I'm excited about what I write, podcast, share. When I learn something new that I can share here on this podcast or in my research on the psychology of eating and weight loss, I can't wait to share it in my podcast or on my weight blog on my website. So don't let your sadness carve itself into your brain as a permanent neural pathway. If it has, know that your brain is able to be remolded at will. You can create new pathways in your brain, pathways of joy. No, you don't need to become a life coach. There's many other avenues open to you. If you could just one day open your mind to all the possibilities, I've seen many widows. I've seen many widows find fitness and the entire their entire life changes it revolves around the joy of walking or running or lifting weights or whatever other widows might find groups for support found groups for support and that's fabulous it's what begins to give them some direction and meaning in their life maybe you find you want to write or paint or maybe you want to do a play go be in a play whatever it is that makes that little vibration of excited begin inside of you, grab it. Grab it and go all in, 100%. Commit to it like it's a matter of life or death because it just may be a matter of living fully and joyfully. And you can have that again. You really can. Hey, a shout out to Christine in Wales who let me know she left a lovely review for Widowcast. She's not a widow, but has had grief in her life. So I'm thrilled to know that there are others out there listening faithfully and that this podcast makes a difference for them. If you're in a place where you can do it right now, go and do me a huge favor. Someone you know right now could use this podcast in their life even if they're not a widow, they may have some other type of grief or they may have a widow in their life. Take 30 seconds, go to Facebook and tell them that you're listening to Widowcast. And when you type in the name, if you start the show name with the, the at symbol, that's shift the letter to the at symbol, 
Widowcast, you will see my Facebook page pop up on the list as you start typing. Selecting it will tag me so that I see your message too, if it's a public message. And then I can let you know how awesome you are. Thank you for supporting the show. So glad you could come listen today. I hope my sharing all this part of my story, and it's a key part of my story, the, the real turnaround in my life, what makes me want to jump out of bed in the morning. I hope sharing it has given you hope that you can find the same thing in your life. So go out there and definitely find some joy in your life. Until next time. 